Hello and welcome to this edition of the Halftime Orange podcast with me, your host, Brenton Webber. Today I'm joined by Jeff Tobe. Jeff is a keynote speaker, a trainer and a consultant based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's a Canadian. He is a troublemaker, um, much like myself. Um, his definition of entrepreneur is non-employable. Um, and uh I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Um, We talk about his three pillars um, that are very close to our hearts, which is creative thinking and coloring outside the lines, um, customer experience, and also employee engagement. So let's explore these three fascinating and important topics with Jeff right now. Thank you. Hi, Jeff. How are you, my friend? Welcome to the show. Fantastic! Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah how how are you today? How is it? How is life where you are? You know things are good. They're always good. I say fantastic because I start to believe it by the end of the day. So, but uh, <laughs> over here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, things are are, are great. Wonderful. That's good to hear. It's a slightly different weather patterns where, I where we are. We're expecting uh, six inches of snow this afternoon. So. Right, yeah. The uh, last it's, time. A good, it's a good time to stay home during COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you get a lot of snow because the last time we were talking um, a couple of weeks ago, prior to booking this this um, this episode, and yep. I believe it was pretty heavy snow at that time as well. Absolutely. You know, I'm a Canadian. I should be used to this, but for some reason, these last few winters have just gotten tougher and tougher. I don't know. <laughs> and I used to walk uphill in the snow to school, and then walk uphill home too, barefoot. Right, right. Yeah, well, we become softer the older we get, don't we? Um, exactly. And the more, the more the technology develops and helps us. How, how does, for the, for the, I know a little bit about you, but for the listener, the listeners, um, tell me about Jeff. How does a, a, a boy from Canada become, um, you know, what I consider a, you know, a CX thought leader in Pittsburgh? Thank you. You know, um, I kind of uh, have done things by the seat of my pants all my life. So moving to the States was one thing. I announced it to my wife one night at a wedding we were attending. And uh, a week later, we, we ended up moving. So, And that's really the story of my entire life. But uh, I'm a professional speaker, author, consultant, all in the area of, well, really three things. Creative thinking, as it applies to customer experience, by getting your people more engaged in what they do. So until, you know, COVID hit last year, I was... On an airplane, ninety percent of the time, traveling the world and and speaking to diverse audiences. I mean, that's what I love. I'm sure you too, friend. Uh, just I love what, what I do. It's always something different, you know. And I I'm just naturally nosy. I think so. I love learning about different industries, different professions, how they work. And um, you're a troublemaker. Exactly. <laughs> I've been called. Actually, that's a good way to put it. I've been called worse. So. Yeah, I think, you know, I was on a I was on a show this <laughs> afternoon, and we were talking about uh, disturb the word uh, um, uh, dis, uh, being a dis, disruptor. Sorry, disruptor. Yeah, yeah. And I said, in school, we try not to be disturbing on the show, but let's try. Yeah, not disturbing. <laughs> I the wrong thing. But in school, we, if we were disrupted, we were penalized for it, right? And now there's organizations who are trying desperately, and they're wearing this badge that says disruptor. <laughs> and so uh, I'm not sure I believe it all the time. There's very few have, who have disrupted industries. But um, I like to think of myself as somewhat of a disruptor. I think that's both of us. That's our jobs, right? 
is to get our clients to think about how do we disrupt the 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 um, profession or industry that we're in. This this last twelve months um, is, is is a lot of forced has caused a lot of forced disruption and forced transformation. So I do think that people are more open to disruption. Maybe this is the time of the the high value disruptor being recognized. I absolutely, I absolutely agree. You know, obviously, I'm all about coloring outside the lines. So it's about creative. It's about creative thinking. Yeah. One of the things I get asked all of the time is, you know, how has how has um, the last 10 or 11 months affected our creative thinking? And I think it's given us this opportunity you're talking about, you know, and I think that if you haven't taken the opportunity to step back and ask yourself, how can I change? Now, I, I want to just take issue with you because you use transform and you used disrupt in the same sentence. <laughs> and, and I think they're very different things. I think that we can transform our business. We can transform even an industry. doesn't mean necessarily that we're disrupting it. I, I, and, and you're welcome to disagree. True. It's probably too lit. No, it's probably, it, I mean, I would say that disruption often is required for transformation. Maybe maybe that I, I see the link, the synergy yeah. between yeah. the two. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that if you looked at it as a continuum, on the one end, we used to have innovation. And then innovation, it got stretched out a little bit, that continuum, and it went to disruption. But there were very few companies or that you can think of, organizations, who actually disrupted an entire industry. There are more famous ones. And then I think, like you say, the next little piece after that is now transformation. Yeah, well, are you seeing – I think when we spoke on the – there's so much to talk to you about. <laughs> Good. So forgive me if we go – before we do go on to – to, to um, the transformation yeah, yeah, yeah. economy. And I know we talked about it um, a couple of weeks ago. I just wanted to um, congratulate you on giving me my best definition of the word. Oh, did you, man? What's that? Um, non-employable. <laughs> Good for you. And, you know, I've used it for years. You're welcome to use it. I always said I'm, I'm, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm just unemployable. And it's true. I mean, I, I can prove it to you. I got fired from my first job for being too creative. You know, I, I got my paycheck one Friday afternoon and I couldn't afford to pay my rent, never mind live. So I got an idea and I went out and made tickets. And I walked around to 400 people and for $5, you could win my paycheck. First week I made fifteen hundred dollars. The second week I made like twenty two hundred dollars, and the third week they fired me for starting an illegal lottery. So, well, that's when I started getting an inkling that I'm just not employable. <laughs> that, that's a, that is a definite yeah. unique and, you know, story. Brent, I think this is the case for a lot of creative minds uh, like ours. It's it's very hard to to work in a uh, you know if I can use my own analogy, but to color inside the lines, you know we. So. Yeah, I fully agree. Let, let's explore that. I mean, your your three areas that you work in, they're, they're all very close to what I do. Creative thinking. Your definition is amazing. That's what I've got written down. So so to, you amazed me with your definition two weeks ago. What is your definition of You know, creative, creative thinking is just seeing things from a different perspective. Um, I want you to hear a sales trainer say, if you see the world through your customer's eyes, you'll see the way your customer buys. I don't know who to give credit to. I don't remember the person's name, but um, but I love it because I, I start with this with all of my clients that are you creating a culture where your people are allowed to see things from a different perspective? 
And so, and I may be getting on a tangent here, but I just got a, uh, an email this morning, so I want to share with you a client who had heard me a year ago say this. And he said, 2021 is, in, they're based in Houston, Texas. And he said, 2021 is the year of field trips for our company. This is a large company. So he went on to explain wow. that um, every department has a budget of only about $500, but they take, they need to take their people on a field trip quarterly. It can be to their customer's place of business so they can see how their product kind of fits into what their customer does. It could be to a restaurant to uh, to kind of experience the experience, as I like to say. Um, and, and I think that's where it starts. It's, it, you know, you asked me the definition of creative thinking. Um, there's lots of definitions out there, but I think it really starts with perspective. And that's probably not what I shared with you two weeks ago. I have no that wasn't, idea. That wasn't what you shared with me two weeks ago. So I should have written it down. All I've written down here is his definition is amazing. I've got number one, creative thinking dash slash number one. Oh, no. You know, you have to you have to record these things. There, there were moments of brilliance. I know. I know. We'll probably have to go back. It's, it is these moments of brilliance. As I said um, before we started recording, sometimes um, I find that I can say a lot of really – wise and useful things but trying that's to remember what i said the is the biggest challenge <laughs> so that's it's one of the powers yeah. of podcasting um i think you know sometimes my marketing director can pick up a few things a few gems from it um with what what do you think cx customer and yeah. customer experience is your is your yeah. second pillar there's some there's some major investment going into customer experience at the moment. Do you think the leaders that are spending and funding this is a pointy question these this now multi multi million uh, billion dollar industry that's almost taken the term CX mm-hmm. and owned it. Like when you speak to business leaders and you say what is CX, I. I've spoken to many that think that it is yeah, their software, exactly. that it is their, yeah. their pulse. Um, and so it's, it's usually capital mm-hmm. expenditure. And so an ROI isn't required. Yeah. And we talk about lifetime values, which are conveniently long lifetimes to, to kind of deliver a ROI. Is our industry due for some disruption and transformation? I'm not sure it is. I think what we need to do is go back to basics. I think we've gotten way, way too complicated, if you will. Um, I do remember one thing we talked about that I want to bring up, and that is that that's great for huge corporations who have millions to spend on it. You know, But what about the small guy, and, and, and where should he be? Um, there, I, as I travel the world, I find so many different, I guess, definitions of CX that I'm not sure organizations even get it. So many organizations, and maybe there's a study on this. I don't know. I haven't read one, but I I would say that the majority of organizations in the world are still on customer service. They may call it customer experience, but they're still on CS. And I think the, the, yes. How do they best serve their customers? Which is not going to set them apart in the marketplace. You know, I used to say customer service is no longer a differentiating factor in the marketplace. And so, right. It's a requirement. It's expected. You must have. There's no, you cannot, you cannot not have it. It's just expected. And your competitors are telling me that that's their differentiating factor. So if that's true, it's got to be customer, the leap to customer experience. And that's not spending millions. That's a mindset. 
to start with, right? Yes. I mean, it's it's not just the mindset of me; it's in my culture. It's it's right down to you know the person to the maintenance staff to the receptionist, whoever it is, getting them to think customer experience versus customer service that there is a difference. So so you say transformation. Uh, yes, we are. I think we're we're going into that transformation, that transformative kind of. Um, when we were talking about the spectrum, but I think that where I live and breathe is really before that. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a futurist. Yes, so I think where I live and breathe is helping organizations understand the difference between customer service and customer experience and how it can affect their bottom line because it absolutely can, as we all know. Yeah. I mean, we've got some, we've got some amazing models that we've collected from books that show the real power of putting the plug mm-hmm. in the bath. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of see that companies are addicted to yeah. taps. That's about, let's get as much water in this bath as possible. And yet no one has a chat with the plug salesperson <laughs> who, who, who can insert a magic plug that kind of energize, energizes the, the bath water that's yeah. already in there that can magnetically cascade water coming through it's we've got the models to prove it what why are leaders not when when the financial models show that this is the smartest strategy why are so many leaders not embracing it's a great question strategy? my my last client is a fortune uh, 100 company and they just didn't get it they had never seen the financial proof that that cx you know can affect their bottom line. So, so is it our fault? I think it is as an industry, as a profession. I think it's mm. our fault. I think we, we haven't gotten those models out there and made and publicized them. Um, we haven't put it in a, in a language that those leaders can understand. And then, because I'm still fighting the old, well, yeah, but customer experience is just feel good kind of, you know, and, and it's MPS and it's, it's it's it's, right. it's emotion. It's, it's yeah, feeling. It's feel, right? The customer <laughs> service is something I can drive yeah. home. So, so I, I think mm. I, I will blame us, and I don't mean you and me, but but uh, I do mean us as a profession or an industry. And I think it's on our shoulders to get those models out there in a way in which people will understand them. Yeah, yeah. It it, it does sometimes feel that that's the position that we're taking—the position yeah. of educators. And um, I know that that's it's amazing what a couple of hours, what the impact a couple of hours of yeah, CX coaching. I agree. Can yeah. have just spending a couple of hours thinking like a customer for once, because it's so difficult to do that, especially when you're Absolutely. under high stress. There used to be a, a national menswear chain in the U.S., and their their tagline was "An educated customer is our be- is our best consumer," and I love that because. They said, yeah, we're in the menswear business, but you know what? We need to educate our customers, whatever it is, with menswear, but but it's no different within us. You know, an educated customer will be our best, or consumer will be our best customer. So. So, so, so Qualtrics had their IPO two weeks ago mm-hmm. or a week ago as of, as of recording, and the the $13.8 billion industry that was predicted is now, we know that yeah. it's way bigger because Qualtrics have now got a $15 billion um, evaluation and congratulations to them. How much is this going to cement the 
importance of NPS in CX strategy? And is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, wait, do we have time? I think we only have a few minutes now. So, um, <laughs> I'm really yeah, putting no, you on the spot, and I'm I, not that's trying okay. to. You're welcome to. I, I think it's, I, first of all, I think it's a good thing. And, and I know that I, that's a very controversial to say. I think it's a good thing only because of what we just talked about, and that is the education for those people who haven't even got there yet. There are still large organizations. Yes. I'm talking about MB, NPS, and they don't know what I'm talking about. And that's okay, by the way. I'm not um, putting down or I'm not being negative at all. But when, like you, if you're going to work with a, a, a new client, you've got to figure out where they are right? I mean, it's a simple gap analysis, where they are, where they want to be, and how do we get there? And and so when I try to figure out where they are, many times they're not even at MPS. So so I think anything that happens, like Qualtechs, like you're talking about, kind of promotes the idea that this works, and this is something, a tool that you should be using in some form or another. Now, as, you bo- as we both know, there, you know, there are MPS tools that are are good and there are some that are not so good and 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 that's up to us as consultants trainers speakers to guide our customers um so so maybe i and i thought about when i was coming on your show that maybe i live in a different world because i'm still you know struggling with clients about this kind of stuff whereas you know we're way out on the spectrum in our thinking oh i i fully agree i mean the the the, the work that i'm doing jen tends to be i mean we look at you know we depending on which of the models we 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 really like the forester outside in model and we've we've seen we've seen others break their six down into seven aspects of the business that that impact and that's really where i do the majority of my work but i guess the i used to sell mps platforms and I, I think I worked for one of the most honest named voice of customer platforms it was it was no way near the best that's for sure you know it was but it was my entry into customer experience but it was called market pulse and I do think that that's how this needs to start to be seen as a pulse like unless we've got this term called the voice of customer and it doesn't seem to be delivering a very loud voice for customers um and my issue is that there are companies that think that they have to spend half a million to start entering the cx game to start measuring this um or the ones that are spending a huge sum of money and their leadership are potentially the next time a cx project that may well have some really measurable ROI or Roxy or return on experience investment, then um, they may be a little bit more shy because they're not seeing the perceived value. And and the the, the value of these voice of don't don't get me wrong, the value of these voice of customer platforms is oh, immense. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's we've we we refer to an Adobe study all the time that looked at companies um, that used that had voice of customer platforms and split them up between those that mind that voice of customer platform for customer insights that could be propagated throughout the organization. So, um, you know, enriching all decision-making. Now, only about 10% of companies say they're getting that out of their voice of customer platform. And that 10% of companies grow 10 times faster than their competitors. 
So the, the the promise of what voice of customer can do should certainly not be yeah. poo-pooed, negated. But we need to be doing a better job of what the, the actual solution of a voice of customer, which to my mind, the only thing a voice of customer platform should be, the primary focus should be delivering customer Absolutely. insights. So let me, let me take you to what I see as the next step in voice of customer. Um, I'm going to give a blatant plug. There's a great company out there, and only one that I know that's doing it. It's called 113 Industries, based in New York. Um, and they are listening to voice of customer through AI. And so it's, you know, their whole thing is that it's human versus data-driven. And so data-driven is we know all this data from the past, and here's how we make a decision. Theirs is they're listening to every platform. Um, you know, I just saw a, a case study that they did where they you know, basically listened to 6 million people talk about their customers, their clients' product. And, and the insight that they gained, that to me is brilliantly voice a customer, right? That's cool. And AI sort of condenses it and comes out and they come up with, here's what yeah. the, your consumer is actually saying. Uh, one great example was Ocean Spray. Do you have ocean spray out there? I don't know. It's a cranberry, it's cranberry juice. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and they were listening, and, and um, they found that, first of all, it was mostly women talking about ocean spray and that it, they had considered it a, a breakfast drink. That's what ocean spray thought cranberry juice was. And these women were saying they like to come home and relax. Where they can't have wine because they have young kids. So they pour themselves a glass of ocean spray. And it's like they changed their entire marketing perspective, you know, because of voice of customer. So I challenge people, you know, what is voice of customer and, and where is it going versus just uh, data? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's, it's interesting because we've, the current voice of customer seems to be very company centric in its tra- the, the place that it's measuring. It's the transaction point that is of importance right. to us. Like no one bought a fishing rod to transact with the fishing rod store, although maybe, maybe there's some reasoning there, but the, you know, and it's, well, maybe they're a shopaholic, so maybe there's that. But 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 you can say the reason they're buying it is so that they can catch more fish. And so so why is it not at that point we're finding ways oh, to communicate? That. And there are some, there are some, but the majority still focus on that company central well, transaction customer experience if you think about it truly it's simply the story that my customer is going to tell somebody else about the experience they had with me and so i want to hear that story imagine if you could be a fly on the wall and that's where i think ai is going um, to be kind of the fly on the wall to listen to the stories our customers are telling people they trust people they know versus um, responding to a a questionnaire right yeah, well, I want to make a special shout. You've, you've spoken about 113 industries. Thank you for sharing that because I hadn't heard of them and I'm definitely going to be looking into that. I'd like to draw attention to Customerville um, and Max Israel. And they're another company that's doing voice of customer in a very different way. Um, they're using pictures instead of text. And their engagement levels are through the I roof. That. Like we're talking about... They, and they've got Clara Bridge at its core. But what they've, what they've found is the more engaging they can be, the longer our customers are happy to talk to us and share their, their ideas. The other thing that they do, and I don't know whether this is intentional, but um, what we heard of uh, a recent guest was the MPS question itself or any question 
that asks for you to grade something numerically automatically disengages your creative side of your brain. So you are literally you you are you are you are that the MP the MPS question itself is dampening the emotional richness of the feedback that you get. Now surely, and I think the MPS pulse is a really important number, can be, but we could, we could be inferring that from the feedback. AI could be inferring. What does a 10 look like? Well, it looks like this guy who thinks that we're wonderful. What does a four look like? Well, this doesn't look like somebody who's going to tell her friends glowing things about our product. We should be able to infer whether they're a promoter if they're willing to have, in Customerville's case, 13, 14-minute back-and-forth conversations, sharing of photos, and they also measure across the entire journey. So they're available post-transaction. They're available post-outcome being met or not, love it. not met. Which I love it. And, and the yes but with MPS is if I got a 6 out of 10 from this consumer – Maybe he's never given higher than a six to anybody in his life. So that, that makes him a promoter. So it, it's not knowing his history, not knowing the context. Exactly. The context. Yeah. The context. Um, yeah. I, 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 at the, we use Squadcast to do uh, podcasting. It's a great platform. But at the end of the show and when we log off, it asks, um, how, how, you know, how, how was your podcast? And it's like, well, yeah, he was right. an awesome guest. <laughs> Five. Oh, oh, the technology was wonderful, but well, the conversation was a bit stilted. I mean, it's it's such a broad yeah. question that depending on the mood that it asked me, it's like, what am I contextually thinking about that was important to me when you asked me such a loose yeah. question? Yeah. Well, we, we, we can do better. We should, we, we should see this as a really solid foundation yeah. for what, promise to be and you know whatever that might look like a customer yeah, listening pathway exactly. as jim, as jim yeah, bliss calls i love it, that you know, and so. i love that you suggested uh customerville I, you told me that a couple of weeks ago and i kind of i do think google yeah. a little bit but i think it's uh just and yeah and, and, and to, hands up we used to represent them ah, here okay. in new zealand um couldn't get anybody to to trust it, and I've, I've spoken to a consultant in Australia who felt the same thing, same way. Even though the numbers, like we are talking, going from hearing from verbatim comments from about 0.5 percent of your audience when you break down the the the, the, the rates, to to hearing from nine percent of your audience with going from two minute conversations to 13 minute conversations and i shouldn't really be promoting them because we're developing something of our own but honestly it's it's right now right right here right now in my opinion and it, and i wanted to mention it because they've also got that ai clara bridge at the core of it like it they know whether you're think whether they think you're and I'm, i hope i hope apple podcast allows me to say this but to to say whether you're the shit or whether right. you're shit, you know, there's there's two differences. There's two different right. contexts. It can read what you're saying, the excitement or the anger. It's, I love it's it. brilliant because that is, it's the emotional stories that when shared with employees, which of course is mm -hmm. your third pillar, employee engagement, are we not missing a trick with a lot of voice of customer platforms of having a tool that disengages, is, is used as a bit of a stick 
by people is creates begging from employees like i i read a lot about that you know people say, telling me that how how helpful a 10 would be to right you know it's it's is it helping employee engagement and can we do that better can we use it as a tool to really drive the love of our customers in our teams the answer is yes next no yes no how do, how, how do we do that? How, 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 or how have you seen? Yeah. How have you seen companies successfully? Well, first do of all, let's backtrack a little bit. Yeah, you know, how many times have you received a, an email, or even had somebody have the gall on a you know a CSR um, say to you, "Look, you're going to get a survey, and would you please give me a ten, right, uh, or give us a 10. And seriously, <laughs> I'll give you what I want to give you. <laughs> and, but yeah, how many people yeah. actually do because they 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 said something? So that tells me that it's that that threat that you're talking about, you know, that these employees have. Mm-hmm. And I think that first of all, you know, my entire theory is that the more engaged people are internally, the better the experience externally. So when I consult with a, an organization, I am focused, you know, at least seventy percent on them getting their people more engaged. And so you're right. That's what's disengaging them. That that uh, culture of of uh, fear, I guess, or or threat of some kind. Um, but what I try and, and stress, and again, maybe I'm down to basics. I don't know, but um, I want it. I want my uh, employee to interact with my customer. And when I say interact, uh, when I work with an organization, I'll have them. Um, like I say, you know, either go visit the customer's uh, place of business, see how their product, their service uh, interacts. But I, I'd like to connect them at every single level. So um, give you an example. I had a wire manufacturer in Utah years ago, and uh, we did this customer wire. It's funny. It's ironic because I call it customer wiring, but it, it just, they happen to be a wiring, a wiring wire company. And um, uh so what I did was I had people connect at every level. Usually it's just manager to manager. But I had the entire um, receiving at the client at the client at the customer's uh, place of business meet with the entire shipping department at my clients. And you'd be amazed at what came out of it. Um, but not only that, you, you think that they're not going to they're going to deal with somebody else? Are you kidding? The, the loyalty because I listen to you and. We're back to that listening to the voice of the customer. But how do we do it realistically? Um, I don't care how big the organization is. I think they need to connect their employees so that they have some empathy. They have some, I hate to use the word again, perspective of, of how they fit into their customer's business. And when that happens, that's when employees you know, become far more engaged. So, so the threat of... Yeah. I think you're right. Like the, like, like, I think it's often the customer. The, is the uniting like the H to H relationship between the employee and the and the customer is almost your atomic structure of business, um, and yet it's it's historically by by many been the least important kind of relationship. You know, certainly to Adam Smith, it's at the bottom of the hierarchy. I think even I think even this even pretty much said there is no there is no value in customer service in his yeah. treaties. Obviously, that was many many years ago, and we've had the. We've had the, the the development through the brand economy and into the service economy. And but the you know, I guess I guess the the other side of that is somebody who's sitting out there going, "Okay, so let's talk about a call center." <laughs> you know, I take two hundred calls a day. Yeah, you know, I I have no empathy or no perspective of what my customer is going through. Um, 
and I'm not certainly not going to go see to their home to see if they if their shoes fit because <laughs> that's what I that's what we sell. Um, there is that, and I, I totally get that. So how else? The question becomes: How else can I see the world from my customer's perspective? And and once you ask that, you know, I can't answer that for every industry, but I certainly can say I bet you're not asking the question. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if you speak to many. The majority, certainly more than 50% of business owners, they don't spend a lot of time trying to think like their customer. They don't see their business from how their customer sees their business. Um, And yet the companies that do, you know, the companies like um, Mm -hmm. Harley-Davidson that realize what they're giving is freedom. So everything, it makes every decision that they, they do far easier far more enriched um, and an enriched decision which is going to be more likely to be a successful yeah. decision and and you know what You're, when we're talking about engagement I, I have to use an old word that i don't love but are, are we have to ask ourselves are our people empowered to be engaged with our customer and are they, is engagement well, valued is that the number one value exactly. in your organization and it needs to be at least in the top five <laughs> um you know, I, I, uh, one of my clients is Four Seasons Hotels Worldwide. I'm sure many of you know it. Right. And, yeah. you know, they Absolutely. originally, I remember years ago sitting with them and talking about the, the Ritz-Carlton model, which, you know, the, their employees are empowered with X amount of dollars to fix a problem. Um, and, and I remember the CEO at the time, Izzy Sharp was his name, and he, he looked at me and he said, but we don't want to have any problems. That's our goal. It's like, why pay for something? You know, if you don't have problems in the first place, you don't have to pay for them. And I thought, that's an interesting perspective and an interesting way to, to sort of think about the customer and their perspective, right? How, and so, by the way, i got to yeah. give a plug, an unabashed plug, if I may, for my last book. But it's called, it's called Anticipate, you know, knowing what customers need before they do. And to me, and that's where it came from, by the way, uh, was Four Seasons Hotel. How do we, how do we literally allow uh, help our customers or our clients anticipate their cut what their customers need before they even know they need it that's when we that's when yes. we get our people more engaged everything seems to gel that yeah yeah I, I love the stories that that come from the, oh, the hospitality crazy. industry like there's 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 a there's a, ho- a hotel in um i think it's byron bay in australia and they just gave a ten dollar budget per um guest that can be used whenever they feel like it. And the sort of thing they do is if, if you ring up and you say, I've got a, you know, I just want to go straight to my room because I've got a bit of a headache. It's been a long journey. They've got, they don't have to ask permission to go and buy you some Nurofen and leave it by the side of your bed and some paracetamol. You know, they can, they look after your needs without um, having to go through the hierarchy and explain why they're wanting to do, which is incredibly empowering. And we can, we're all, I don't know about you, but like as a troublemaker, there's there's probably when I was in the corporate world, there were days where I didn't like the people that I was working for. But there was never a day that if if I was if if my focus and my mission was to look after my customer, that was something I could get my motivation up for, regardless. It was company centric companies that I struggled to get motivation. When I up for. owned my advertising agency years ago, um, although we went head to head, I loved when a salesperson or an account manager came to me and was fighting for their customer. Like to me, that was like the best thing. Right. And even though it was against company policy, 
and I'm using air quotes here, you can't see me, but against company policy. Yeah. Um, I loved it uh, secretly because that's that's what employees need to, that's the mentality they need to have, a fight for their customer. I have to share a quick story with you. Um, just happened with a hospital I'm, I'm consulting with on patient experience, which isn't that different. But here in the States, patient, patient experience can add, um, uh, it, 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 patient experience scores are taken into consideration for reimbursement for hospitals here. So it's very important to a hospital to get high scores. And um, I had suggested months ago that they have a toolbox for their employees. And the, the toolbox is a service recovery toolbox. And that in it, there's things like um, gas cards or uh, petrol cards, as you might call them, or, or a uh, gift certificate, or even a free lunch in the hospital cafeteria, which is not a reward, I'm sure. But <laughs> and, and employees are free to come to the HR office and, and open the box, you know, and take one out. So the CEO called me a couple of weeks ago and said, I guess we're not communicating it well because a new hire had a problem, came to the HR office and gave the entire box to the patient. <laughs> so so we can empower them too much too so be clear on your communication that's a lesson there yeah i think you did right it's 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 um it's the north star that's given to the employees like um you can i think there's a lot of people that think that when they're talking about customer sales and how many sales that they're going to get that that's their customer focus that that's 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 a that's a real like focus on. Do you the think customer. the guy sitting in IT really yeah. cares about how much how many sales? Except that it's job security. I get that, but does he really care or she really care? You know how much sales? Bob no, makes? no. But 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 the the managers are focusing on that that being the 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 driver. And so like, I take it back to retail. We worked with an electronics retailer, and we just sat in with some of the morning meetings like every morning before the retail floor started up, they would sit down and everybody would be reminded of their targets and how close they were. So when everybody, whenever anybody would come into their store, they would, um, uh, they, would, they would basically, you would feel like you were prey. You know, it was going after the sale. And this was, by the way, this was a, in a mystery shop with a competitor of a client. Um, and um, we'd, we, we lived near the, the, man, the, the manager, and I, I, um, we asked him about the, the communication, and he said that we, we, uh, we, we fed this back and made sure that our communication was always about problem solving. It was just reminding our staff, even though the staff were not being, you know, they may have been, they weren't being as dopaminergic as their competitors, where it really did feel um, like you were prey. Even just the reminder every day to say your job is to solve as many problems that come through this door as possible. And then all of a sudden the sales, the business outcomes look after themselves. I do love your, um, what we, we call it proactive experience recovery, that um, identifying those things that, that you can see are regular, that you can do something about and that you can, you can, you can, um, you can preempt. Um, so yeah, it's it's nice to know that 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 you've had success with that. Um, regard before we let you go, and you talked about the book that's behind you, and we're not we don't record we don't do anything that's one with the video, of the books. <laughs> but yeah, that's one of the books. But tell us about what you've been doing and how you know what what people should be 
how, one, how they should be getting in contact with you, but also how they can be getting some value out of you, uh, out of your thought processes in yeah. your books. Well, I'll tell you the first thing, I, just for fun, um, I'll make an offer to your listeners. Uh, Coloring Outside the Lines was my first book. It's a fun book. It's, you know, some of it is on customer experience, creative thinking, engagement. It's the only, uh, I will brag, it's the only business book in the world illustrated by my then 12-year-old daughter. Um, and if anyone's interested, they can send me an email. In the subject line, put free book, and uh, and they need to mention in the text where they heard me on your show, um, on the Halftime Orange Project, and I will send them the PDF. It's not a it's it's not a Kindle version. It's not an e version. It's just the PDF of the book for free. I'm glad to do that. Uh, and the latest book was Anticipate. Uh, oh, but knowing what customers need before they do. I should give my email address, right? The easiest way to get me is Jack. You should. And we will have, and we will have everything in right. the, the show notes as well. It's but very yeah, simple. It's Jeff, it. J-E-F-F, at jefftobe.com, J-E-F-F-T-O-B-E.com. Send me an email. I'll send you the book. Um, right now, I'm, I'm uh, just, just uh, put up a, a course on customer experience and um, online course, and it really is an introduction because I went backwards where everybody else is looking to the future. I told you this already. I went backwards and said, where do we need the most help? And I think it's with just the basics of customer experience for organizations to understand. So uh, that's where I am right now is kind of focusing on that course. It's done, it's up, and we've launched it. So I'll let you know a year from now how how it's going. Yeah, well, if if so, if anybody is interested in taking you up on the course, we'll we'll also have um, a link to that in the the show notes if you'd like great. to provide it That'd be great. to us, Jeff. Sure. Okay, wonderful. Um, I feel like we've only touched the surface of of the exploration. Um, we are trying desperately this year to try and stick to the forty five minutes. Because um, it's amazing. Although I think the conversations, you know, I love having these long conversations. It would seem that our downloads take a take a big hit when when you get above the forty five. So Jeff, um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and all the knowledge and and the wisdom Absolutely. that you've learned over the years. And I hope we get to speak very yeah, soon. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for listening today. I hope you got some really solid value out of the conversation. If you did get some value, please consider subscribing using any of the links below. We are on all major podcast platforms. And feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or via our website, www.halftimeorange.co.nz. Look forward to speaking with you next time.